Welcome back to Bitcoin for Advisors. I'm Morgan Rochard, your host, and with me I have Pierre Rochard, the assistant to the host. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having me back on. Thanks for not firing me despite the bear market. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we don't have we don't need so much capital to keep this podcast going, so I can keep you around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as long as we sell the chairs. Yeah, our burn rate's pretty low. Yeah. So we sold all those chairs. Yeah, um, we, we didn't sell the mics. <laughs> I don't know. I think if we sold the mics, people would really stop listening. Yeah, yeah, because the content is already low quality. If the form of it, <laughs> the audio quality is bad, then yeah. We'd have a serious listen. problem, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, we were on hiatus because we were on vacation. Yep. Now we're back from vacation and uh, ready to continue the bear market. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and the topic for today came up because um, my parents got a, uh, was it AARP magazine in the Mm -hmm. mail? We were visiting my parents and they got AARP magazine in the mail and on the cover was Crypto Scams, was it? Yeah. Yeah, Crypto Scams. And so... Um, we were on a date and we decided to read the crypto scams in the car on the way to date, uh, to our date. And we thought it was pretty funny. And then we thought, well, what a great idea for a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I was surprised by what the scams were. Yeah, <laughs> I was too. I, I was actually genuinely interested in like what they were going to put yeah. there because there are so many crypto scams, so many. but, um, they didn't put a single one down that I would have thought of. So yeah, I found that interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Before we get into crypto scams, did you want to discuss any topical information or um, any news of the day? um, Well, I mean, I think that we could just take a second and look at the markets because I think that, um, you know, in our last podcast, we were, it was an emergency session to talk about uh, the crash going on. and since then, basically, it's been sideways slash up a little bit, tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the last episode, we mentioned that there was a tremendous amount of leverage in the system and that liquidating that leverage uh, essentially uh, caused the price to go down. Um, we did get a little bit of news uh, yesterday that um, Tesla actually sold 75% of its Bitcoin that it had purchased um and that the price at which it sold arguably is what caused the cascading liquidations (laughs) to happen yeah so um not only was there kind of the terra luna ponzi unraveling Mm -hmm. dumping coins onto the market and then um i think that simultaneous to that was uh elon musk dumping those bitcoin and then you had kind of the knockout effects with Celsius and Voyager um, and Three Arrows Capital um, all uh, kind of, yeah, really driving the market um, down to historic lows. Um, well, by historic, we mean they haven't been seen in two years. Which, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's, yeah, uh, it's very historic. But like two years ago. 104 week low. Yeah, 104. <laughs> uh, yeah, because two weeks ago, or sorry, two years ago, uh, you know, the low was four thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars, and this time around, I think it was like seventeen thousand was kind of the liquidation low. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
knock on wood, it seems like the that that liquidation event is behind us, and um, that there doesn't seem to be another shoe going to drop again. And so, I my baseline expectation is that Bitcoin's going to go sideways uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think that this also is a good time to remind people that um, leverage does make it very difficult to hodl. So if your goal is to hold Bitcoin for a long period of time, borrowing against it in some way is going to hamstring that ability for you to hold it. Um, and so the best way to keep your Bitcoin safe, I really think, is to manage your cash flows. Um, right. Obviously, like you also don't want to keep it on exchange. You want to maybe have, you know, in a single sig or multi sig hardware um, wallet such a solution. But really, like the first line of defense is managing your cash flows because then you're not in a situation where you need leverage where potentially you could be liquidating like all of these other folks had to at the worst possible time. Yeah. And funny enough, uh, you know, it's been pointed out that Elon Musk and Tesla sold Bitcoin in order to plug a hole in their cash flows. Mm -hmm. And so it really, I mean, one, isn't that what Bitcoin is for, yeah. right? That that you can, uh, you know, plug a hole in your cash flows. By, but two, you know, if you're long-term bullish on Bitcoin, you, you don't want to be using your Bitcoin. Uh, you want to be accumulating uh, more uh, for the future. Um, so... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think we want to reemphasize the fact, though, that we consider it long term savings, right? Not short term savings. So like, when I view plugging a hole in your cash flow, I view like taking fiat basically on a short term basis to be able to plug that hole. Whereas like for me, Bitcoin is long term savings, in which case, that is going to plug a hole sometime in the future for me. And it should do so in a way that doesn't really impact my entire financial situation at that point in time. Yeah. And it, like Tesla got lucky that um they essentially they they broke even on their bitcoin because they sold it at approximately the same price or i think they actually had a small gain um mm -hmm. compared to what they bought it for um but the the fact that they did this i think it was like they held for 18 months like okay. that's way too short right they they got lucky um it's also quite a wild ride to hold for 18 months to break even basically yeah up to 70 grand yeah <laughs> yeah um you know, I think Elon's used to volatility, but I think that he misused Bitcoin in the sense that, um, you know, if you look at Tesla, when they bought the Bitcoin, they were not really in a financial position to do so yeah. for the long term. Um, and so you should only buy Bitcoin if you're really confident you can hold it for at least five years, I would argue, um, if not, you know, just kind of an indefinite holding period. Yeah, I'd like to talk about it as like a 30 year bull. Yeah. 30 year periods. I mean, people don't like to think in 30 year periods, right? Because like, if you're in your 30s now, that's you in your 60s. But a 30 year time horizon is really the best time horizon, I think, for everything. <laughs> yeah, if if not infinite, if not infinite. Yeah. But at least 30 years is making you think so far out that you could get to that infinite time period. Yeah. And for humans, like 30 years is like, not in the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it might as well be infinite. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas I feel like 10 years, you're like, okay, I can kind of see what I would be doing in 10 years. 20 years is like that middle period where like, you know, and then 30 years is way too far for anyone to con like possibly consider what they would be doing. So yeah. yeah. And then like two years is like, get rich quick. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can guarantee you that in two years from now, we will be in these chairs still making bad jokes. Yeah, no doubt. My mind. <laughs> no doubt. Um. All right. Well, anything else you wanted to add there? Or you want to move on to scams? Um, yeah, let's move on to scams. 
So um, the title of this piece in the AARP magazine, <laughs> which I, I don't know how many people in our audience received the AARP magazine. I hope a lot of people. That means that we're really reaching a broad, vast swath of the population. Yes. Yeah. We, we do value diversity mm-hmm. for sure. Um, don't be ageist. I Well, I'm not being ageist. I'm being a realistic that, um, yeah. But yeah, I hear you. You know, I also think that it's we should subscribe to this magazine so that we do understand every demographic. Yeah, you know, I was thinking that, too. There's also like bottom line finance, I bet has some like funny Bitcoin or crypto stuff in it or interesting topical Bitcoin related things that we wouldn't otherwise think of, of like what mainstream is reading about this stuff. I'm trying to think of other magazines that are like that, but I probably The Economist. I mean, but. That's just total trash. I can't buy that. Yeah. And I, I think that Bitcoiners have a bias of um, they call out scams that they are exposed to, mm-hmm. but they're not exposed to the same scams as elderly populations are. Oh, definitely. To. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what really this article opened my eyes to. And that means that as well of like, when you're building a Bitcoin related product, and you 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 should be putting yourself in the shoes of not just the 20 or 30 year old uh, Bitcoin maxi who's on Twitter, mm-hmm. but also the 60 or 70 year old person who is, you know, has the large font size on their phone and <laughs> is, uh, you know, trying to make heads and tails of uh, this wild new uh, invention. Um, so yeah, let's find out the large font size, but I feel like I'm headed there with my eyesight. Yeah. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with the large font size. I mean, I, I find myself zooming in quite often. So, um, anyways, you want to read the first one? Yeah. Um, oh, crypto crooks. Sorry, I got it wrong. Oh, crypto crooks. Yep. Scammers trick targets to send money using hard to trace cryptocurrencies. Um, so I'll just I'll just start reading it. Uh, the value of cryptocurrencies crashed spectacularly in May, giving us yet another reminder of why most everyday savers and household managers should be wary of them. So, I mean, already I find like this introductory sentence to be disappointing because, um, you know, f- first of all, like everyday savers, uh, they... Uh, I, I, <sighs> They're they're the ones who suffer the most from fiat inflation. Yeah, for sure. I don't I don't disagree though. They are right. You shouldn't have everyday savers shouldn't buy crypto. Well, yeah. So <laughs> get into <laughs> crypto versus Bitcoin, um, and they should be they should be wary not only of crypto, but they should also be wary of Bitcoin. Right? That mm-hmm. they should actually. Uh, learn about Bitcoin um, rather than just jumping headfirst into it. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it goes back to the same thing we were talking about at the beginning, right? An everyday saver, if they're going to be paycheck to paycheck, is going to have a lot harder time accumulating something like Bitcoin um, if they're going to immediately use it in the next 18 months to plug their cash flows, right? Rather than, let's say, something like fiat. But it does, I mean, it's kind of, two, it's a two-sided argument though, right? Because on the one hand, if you're constantly saving in, in fiat and you are paycheck to paycheck, then you're always behind. Whereas if you can even do like $5 a week into Bitcoin, right? If you can even just figure out a way to do $5 a week or even $1 a week, right? You'll be better off if you're able to keep that in a little stash than you know, like simply living paycheck to paycheck with your fiat. 
Stop drinking coffee. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Get rid of that avocado toast. Yeah. Yeah. Raise Uh, your deductibles on your insurance policies. Um. In the world of fraud, cryptocurrencies are increasingly popular despite their volatility, uh, which, you know, it's great. We've got adoption. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Among the reasons, once a person pays with a cryptocurrency, the money is usually untraceable, and that's ideal for criminals. So, I mean, this one I find really dubious because um, specifically with Bitcoin, it's, you know, it is traceable on the blockchain. And um if if you like criminals are not bullish on the price and so usually mm-hmm. what happens in in um bitcoin related crime is that they'll send it to an exchange and if the victim and law enforcement and the attorneys involved are good then they will notify the exchange in time that the account gets frozen and that the criminal uh, you know, essentially has their Bitcoin taken away from them. Yeah. Do you remember there was, it was that couple, it was like a, a woman and a man who they stole a bunch of Bitcoin and then they decided to like basically trade it on an exchange and take all those really fancy flights. Yeah. 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 That's what I imagine. I mean, I don't really see like, I don't see like a person like you being like, okay, now I'm going to become a criminal and I'm going to steal all this Bitcoin. I'm going to hodl it for a hundred years. Yeah. Usually <laughs> criminals are not low time preference. Yeah. Usually they're high time <laughs> preference and they want to cash out and live a life of luxury mm-hmm. rather than just sitting on coins. Yeah. Um. So I, in that regard, like, I think, it's one of those things, though, where Bitcoiners, like real hardcore Bitcoiners, they don't necessarily like the fact that some of this stuff is traceable, right? And people are working on making it like having more dark web or whatever they call it. I don't know. I'm not I'm not up on the terms, but yeah, but making it less traceable so that you have more privacy. Yeah. But as it stands right now, you can trace these transactions. To an extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that um, what when we get into the specific examples of frauds, so I, I think that they didn't really do a great job of analyzing what the reasons are. The primary reason is the irreversibility of the payment. Mm-hmm. It's not the untraceability of it. And yeah. that's subtly different. Um, and then their next point is tied to that, although they don't explicitly say it, which is that um, retailers and consumers are becoming aware that scammers use gift cards as a nearly untraceable way to receive money. Again, it's not the untraceable nature of gift cards. It's the irreversibility that you can essentially use gift cards as digital cash mm-hmm. um, and as a bearer instrument. Um, but it, you know, obviously gift cards are traceable in the sense that uh, when that person goes and spends the gift card, mm-hmm. like they're, you know, going to have their name attached to it um, or at least their face yeah. or something like that. Um And then the third point is a general lack of understanding about how the cryptocurrency world works opens up all types of new fraud possibilities for creative scammers. And so this is really like people, um, it's, it's like, it's great to think that, oh, I don't have to learn about Bitcoin because I'm not interested in it. Um, and then you have a scammer come along and tell you something completely nonsensical about Bitcoin, but because you don't know anything about it, you fall for it. Yeah, and so, for sure. Uh, even if you have zero interest in ever buying any Bitcoin, um, 
perhaps as somebody who lives in the 21st century, it still behooves you to learn about Bitcoin. Yeah, well, I think this sort of this this is one of these topics where people are like, well, I don't know exactly how my car works and, you know, I still drive it or I don't know exactly how like all the chips in my phone work, but I can still use it. But you still know basic things about your car and your phone. I feel like that's like that's an excuse that people use that they don't have to know anything about Bitcoin. It's like you should know you should know enough, though, right? Like, you know enough that when you get behind a wheel, you know that you have to change gears in order to make the car move. You know that, like, there are certain buttons in your car that you press for certain things, right? You know how to use the windshield wipers, you know, reverse versus drive, right? There, I think there are a lot of things that people know about cars. They know where to put the gas in the tank, right? <laughs> they know what kind of gas they put in their car. I mean, I feel like just saying, oh, I don't know how my engine works. So therefore, I don't know, how, like, and I, but I still drive a car and therefore I don't need to know anything about Bitcoin. Um, they're not really equivalent, right? Like, I think that you should know something, you should know the basics of really anything that you would be either potentially using or not using, but something that, that is, um, something that is popular, potentially something you could use in the future. Yeah. And you, you, like with the car example, it's also open to misinformation because you can have people tell you like, Look, the way that a car works is that there are explosions happening in the engine. So obviously it's not safe. Why would you ever drive a car? It's yeah. literally a you know, a mobile explosion happening <laughs> and you should only use horses. Like you'd have to be insane to drive a car. Yeah. And so many people dr- die in cars. Like why would there's you should never drive a car. And that's like a lot of the education out there about Bitcoin yeah. is like oh, because there are all these scams going on, you should never And they say here, um, the bottom line advice, if any stranger or business asks you to use cryptocurrency to make a payment and transfer money, assume it is a fraudulent request and walk away. No legitimate business demands payment this way. Yeah. Whereas, like, I mean, my business is quite legitimate and people have paid me in Bitcoin. Yeah. And they're not scamming them, right? We actually do provide financial planning services upon receipt of Bitcoin. So, Right. Yeah. Um, Although... It would be kind of questionable if you said, I only accept Bitcoin. I see. Because either you're just an ideological Bitcoiner, Mm -hmm. okay, which is totally fine, or the reason that you're not accepting other forms of payment is because they are reversible and you don't, and and because you're running a scam, you don't want to get the uh, payment reversed. Kind of like when you went to the circus in France. Yeah. Now, I don't know if any (laughs) carnies are listening to this podcast. I don't want to cast aspersions. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) At the end of the episode, we can debate whether that that was a scam or not. (laughs) (laughs) Some would say that it was not a scam, but uh, yeah. Anyways. So let's get into the first one. This is the QR code trap. Oh, they say here, too, as well, that um, the number of calls to AARP's Fraud Watch helpline involving scams using Bitcoin have tripled over the past year. Hmm. So, uh, again, adoption is happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, in this case, um, you know, it's a learning opportunity. For- you really are a glass half full kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's see what kind of adoption is happening. An AARP member from Maryland received an email, supposedly from PayPal. So already now we're kind of in the phishing realm mm-hmm. of this is an email that looks like it's from a legitimate service, but it's not. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, best practice there, right, is that you go to the actual website before you click on any links. 
Yeah, exactly. So, and that's pretty common. I think a known common thing to do at this point. Like these fishing things have been happening for a decade now, right? It, it yeah, it, they they have been happening for um, at least a decade at this point, and. Um, Best practice is to not check your email. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That works too. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I do that sometimes. (laughs) um, But yeah, go, go, go to the website. Don't click on any links in the email. Go to the type in paypal.com. Check that you're on HTTPS, Mm -hmm. that it's a legitimate certificate. And that, um, yeah. So, um, the email is stating that there was an incorrect charge on her account and that she was getting a refund. So, um, already kind of a strange fact pattern, but the email explained that too much money had been refunded to her and she needed to pay some back. Yeah. Now, this, like... So I've never I, seen this scenario or yeah, heard of this scenario. But what I also don't like about it is like it gets at the heart of people who are like in, good. Yeah, they're yeah. good. They're yeah. like, oh, I paid too much. I need to pay it back. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when I reverse shoplifted because I accidentally at Target took two of those baby baths and I thought I had only grabbed one and I paid for one and then I made you put the other one back on the shelf. I snuck into the store yeah. with it and put it back on the shelf yeah. without telling anyone. Yep. Yeah. 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 We're going to have the cops knocking on the door. I know. <laughs> I was like, no, I put it back. I swear. Yeah, yeah. Look at well, the video. We have all of the evidence right here. You yeah. confessed to <laughs> shoplifting. Reverse shoplifting. Well, there was a, there's a shoplifting yeah. charge. And on your husband, there's a reverse shoplifting charge uh, of you yeah, taking this stolen item and fencing it. Yeah. Is what it, that's called. <laughs> back to the store. Back to the store. Yeah. Um. She was texted a QR code and directed to scan it at the ATM at her local grocery store where she could deposit the cash. So basically, they 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 sent her a QR code, which was a Bitcoin address, mm-hmm. and then they made her go to a Bitcoin ATM, put cash into the Bitcoin ATM, and then um, pay the Bitcoin out to the Bitcoin address on that QR code that they provided i mean okay i'm sorry i gotta stop you here because i feel like this is a lot of steps to refund a company some money usually like you can just hop on the phone with them and figure it out with your credit card right and now presumably she had a legitimate paypal account Mm -hmm. but it might be the case that she didn't even have a paypal account um and um but yeah, I, I I agree that you know if this were to happen, this is not how PayPal would get the money yeah. from you. <laughs> they would not tell you to go to Bitcoin ATM. Um, only after completing the transaction did she realize the ATM had converted her cash to Bitcoin, mm. which was routed to the account linked to the QR code, i.e., the address, you know, um, and was now untraceable. Again, it's like ARP is part of the fraud in the scam in the sense that they're not accurately telling the story, which is that it's it's now irreversible. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the refund posted to her account turned out to be bogus. Well, yeah, because the whole thing was yeah. end-to-end bogus. Yeah. Um, but, you know, framing this as a uh, Bitcoin scam... I mean, you you could also frame it as a PayPal scam, yeah. right? Like, it's the same level of 
involvement. Um, but it is true that this scam would not have worked with a fiat payment system because then that fiat payment would have been reversible. Yeah. Um, and that's really kind of the, 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 the dividing line here is not about it being untraceable. It's about it being irreversible. And it's an educational opportunity because it's also like, yeah, irreversibility. I think people inside the Bitcoin industry have talked about how, hey, look, this is not consumer friendly, this irreversibility. But it's a it's an inevitable part of the system being decentralized. Because otherwise, you'd have to have somebody who can adjudicate which transactions are reversible or not. And now you don't have finality. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's because we also we live in a society where we've been so far removed from cash for so long we kind of forget that we actually used to live in a system where there was a lot of irreversibility as well, right? If you just took dollars and you had to mail it somewhere, right? There's complete untraceability and complete irreversibility on that. Um, and that's and people used to do things like that. So that wasn't, I mean, maybe not the mailing part, but I, I mean, I don't really know back in the day because I'm also not that old. But I mean, this is the society that we used to live in. And then we went into like a digital age where credit cards became a thing and you could do chargebacks and all sorts of things. But we pay for that, right? We like the credit card companies collect 3% from merchants for doing so. There's price inflation as a result that's passed on to the consumer um, for for the like the traceability and the reversibility on the transaction. So I think it's something to keep in mind, like when we're like that, it it seems consumer friendly, to have the um, the reversibility factor, but it actually, from a price perspective, is not right. Um, and in in my mind, the solution here is <laughs> to not fall for phishing emails. I mean, yeah. it's like this seems. I would put this under a phishing scam. Yeah, that's the root of it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I also think that um, Bitcoin does make this scam easier to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine doing it without Bitcoin. For example, if you were like, you're going to meet a PayPal representative in this parking lot and you're going to give him cash. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, like... Uh, be a it, lot of it, red flags. Would yeah. Be right there. <laughs> and it's a lot riskier for the criminal because now they have to have a physical presence in the parking lot and what if the cops show up? Mm-hmm. Whereas here, it's like they are all in the cloud, right? They They could be in an Eastern European country and not have to worry about any kind of uh, legal repercussions. Yeah, they also would presumably want to wear like a balaclava or something in the parking lot so that they couldn't be described what they look like. And then right away, I mean, that's yeah. just a tip off. A-, a Mission Impossible mask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so let's go to the next one. We've got one down. We've got uh, many more to go. Um, the fake family fraud. Auntie, I found this great investment. I've doubled my money. Click here to invest. Love you. This message came to a woman in California from what appeared to be her nephew's social media page. She clicked the link and invested. It turned out to be a Bitcoin scam. And the $12,000 she invested was gone. Her nephew's page had been hacked and the criminals impersonated him to steal from his friends and family. Okay, so <laughs> lots going on in this one. Yeah, I mean, to start, right, like if somebody sends you a message saying, click here to invest in something that I doubled my money in, I mean, I think that alone should be enough to be like, hey, maybe I should call my nephew and find out what's happening. 
Yeah, she she did not have a due diligence yeah. questionnaire <laughs> checklist here mm-hmm. of uh yeah. Um and I, I think that you know th- this one so the previous one really got to um like the person trying to do the good thing. Mm-hmm. And feeling like, okay, well, I don't want to steal from PayPal. Like, okay, and I don't want this to be on my credit record or whatever. This one is appealing to a combination of greed, but also that um, it's greed that has been um, laundered through family, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but again, uh, phishing in the sense that uh, this is not her nephew's social media page or it has been hijacked. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, yeah, that's this is social media fraud, in my opinion. Yeah, so yeah, uh, but it's it's also it's greed fraud in yeah. the sense of um, oh, well, my nephew got rich on this, so why not? Type right, of, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Fo- um, FOMO, FOMOing in. Now, it it lacks detail of. She clicked the link and invested. So in my mind, she probably got directed to a Bitcoin exchange mm-hmm. or brokerage and was told to buy $12,000 worth of Bitcoin to send it to this investment platform, mm-hmm. which turned out to just be entirely fake. So, but like with the exchange part, I feel like there's a whole a bunch of steps here that are missing in this little tidbit because you got to get KYC. Like this had to take time. She had so much time to reach out to her nephew here and see what was going on. Yeah. Or for her nephew to be like, hey, my account got hacked. Mm -hmm. Please disregard this message. Um, Unless her nephew's on the inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't trust anyone. Yeah. Everyone's a scammer. Don't uh, trust Verify. Yeah. Maybe if you got $12,000. <laughs> um, we'll never know. Yeah, we really won't. Um, yeah. Okay. Next so, one. Next one. The Crypto Casanova. Ooh. A widow from Colorado recently shared her story about a man she met through an online dating site. After some weeks of getting to know one another... Sounds like our relationship. (laughs) He mentioned his success at day trading stocks. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Well, you were the one who mentioned your success at day trading stocks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very good at that. Stock options. Yeah. Um, He mentioned... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, and offered her the chance to invest. Ooh. Uh, she invested $70,000 on a legitimate crypto exchange. He then talked her into transferring that cryptocurrency to his investment platform, so much as we were describing mm-hmm. in the previous one, uh, so he could increase her stake. Her money and the man she had been talking with vanished. Mm. Double whammy. Yeah. Yeah. This one makes me, this one really kind of gets me because it's like, she's just totally taken advantage of. He probably had a really attractive profile picture. Oh, I bet. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. It's a combination of greed and lust, Mm -hmm. this story. Yeah, it is. For sure. It's similar, though, to the other one, right? Like, she obviously, I mean... I think that she is vulnerable, but she also didn't do very much due diligence here. So I think the moral of the last two scams is that you absolutely have to do due diligence before you invest in something. Yeah, and it's sad because um, 
you know, she could have bought $70,000 worth of Bitcoin and yeah. uh, put it on a cold card. And been totally <laughs> fine. Yeah. And then told her, her, her Casanova, hey, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not interested in the money part here. I'm just interested in the romance. Yeah. <laughs> it could have had a good ending. It could have had a good ending. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, maybe he would have reformed his ways and, you know, stopped scamming old ladies. Yeah. We're um, <laughs> fantasizing here. But, um, yeah, so uh, that that one is is sad. Um, and the next one, crowdsource con. Now, this one is the what I call the when people send money to truckers and then the truckers don't actually get to get the money. Well, that one's <laughs> lots of drama there. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll stir that one up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, quote: Have you lost your money in a crypto scam? We can help. End quote. Once their money is gone, many people who are cheated will look online for what to do next. Crooks stake out these websites. They claim to be able to recover your lost crypto with special proprietary search functions that even law enforcement don't possess. Of course, this almost always triggers a follow-up scam. Ugh. Because it's like, you know, and you hear about these um, double-tap strikes where you know, they'll do a drone strike in Pakistan on a wedding and, mm-hmm. you know, kill 50 people. Yeah. And then the ambulances show up and then they do a second drone strike and on the, the ambulances. ambulances. Yeah. Um, you know, that's uh, not not to make light of uh, people dying in that uh, horrible fact pattern. But uh, this is similar of, um, you know, if somebody falls for a scam once they're in the population of gullible people already. And so now it's like ripe for uh, reharvesting, yeah. recycling. I, I think, I mean, the moral here is really that if you've, if you found yourself the victim of a scam that you do reach out to law enforcement and that you don't trust some websites to help you get out of it. Yeah. Or law enforcement. Or you move on. You move on. You're living learn. Or, the the Bitcoin equivalent of law enforcement. You find the most toxic Bitcoin maxillist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who can help you? Uh, yeah. Uh, although, you know, you, maybe they'll scam you. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. No, I doubt that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you you can go through, what is it? Um, Hive one. Yes, there you go. You can find yeah. the top ten people on there and ask them what to do. Yeah, although you know, we don't have time to. They'll just tell you move on. Yeah. Let it go. Just start buying Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll make it all back, um, and uh, you know put it into a multi sig at Unchained or whatever. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah, um, the, yeah. This this one this one's sad. I mean, it, it also does appeal to the greed of like I'm going to get it back. I'm going to recover it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, even outside of that context, like you know, with what happened with Celsius, you have people saying like. Let's let's go through the litigation of bankruptcy and we'll get our money back. And, you know, whether it's like 50 cents on the dollar or whatever. And I could see that being emotionally draining and uh, very time consuming. And so um, to those people, like, I know that it might be a lot of money for some folks. And so this is like perhaps particularly callous advice, but of like, just let it go. Just don't let it like dominate your life and yeah. start over again um but yeah it's 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 really tough when you, when you've gotten scammed i mean it's tough financially it's also tough on like your your self-confidence your self-worth your ego mm-hmm. of 
Yeah, I can't believe I fell for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you want to like get even and um, make it right, and that's that's what this uh, scam is. Uh, Follow up scam is counting on. All right, last one. The phony job offer. Mm. A caller from Houston got a job offer in her email inbox for a job she could do from home. They sent her a W-9 form to fill out. Then they sent her a $3,000 check for startup fees and her first paycheck. After she deposited the check in her bank, they instructed her to transfer $1,900 via a Bitcoin ATM to them to ensure their financial link-up was secure. Yeah. Uh, Only after completing that transaction did her bank call with the news that the check was fake. The $1,900 in Bitcoin was impossible to trace. Again, I've seen this one done in other ways, too. Where, oh, well, you have to actually pay these expenses. You need to send the money here to pay the expenses for your startup, whatever's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So it's interesting that the Bitcoin ATM has come up several times. I think that... Because the Bitcoin ATM does the KYC instantly there mm-hmm. and accepts physical cash, yeah, that it actually ends up being a better vector than the online Bitcoin exchange. Yeah, but my, I guess my question is here, like, why, why are they sending it to immediately sending it to a specific address? I guess because they think that they need to make that payment. Right. Like, yeah. it seems like the way to sort of pause in the moment would be, OK, let me send this to my own address, figure out what's going on. Before yeah. I, the victim yeah. doesn't have a Bitcoin wallet, though. Yeah. They don't know anything about it. they they don't even know that they're like at a Bitcoin ATM buying Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. Somehow. Yeah. 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 But I guess that I'm wondering, like, how do they end up sending it? Because they the perpetrator, the scammer provides the Bitcoin address. I see. Okay. As a QR code. I guess I've never, I haven't been scammed in this capacity, so I'm just like imagining what it's like to, like every time I've done something with Bitcoin, I send it to a specific address. That's generally my wallet, or I know I'm going to go buy, you know, some barbecue somewhere, and so I'm sending in that I'm getting barbecue. Right? There's no like random metaphysical yeah. address that I'm sending money to. Well, I mean, this one, you know, they're saying it's. Um, like the part that is befuddling is the ensure their financial link up was yeah, secure. Yeah, secure. Like, yeah, I don't know that one. Uh, I, I think that I feel like they could have come up with other things that would seem more plausible. Like that one, I feel like is a real tip off. But this person is excited about their new, new job. job. Yeah, and that you know it's going to be easy work that they do from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they might be you know in an advanced age given. The demographic. Yeah, uh, the AARP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, it's unfortunate that they aren't retired, and so they wouldn't have to, you know, be getting a new job. But, um, yeah, so that's that's the last one. And I, I really think that it, it opened my eyes because, like, on Twitter, like, to us, the scams are like, oh, you know, Ethereum is a scam. And, yeah. um, you know, we think about the scams that we see people in our group of friends fall for is kind of uh yield farming yield farming yeah ponzi's and things like that BitConnect. Uh, BitConnect. <laughs> I, I don't know i don't have any friends who fell for BitConnect. But, uh, you know one could imagine yeah. i mean some people obviously did it was that guy i mean he was those are the scams we and... hear about yeah whereas these other ones are the ones that we don't hear about 
And yet I think that they perhaps are even more damaging to Bitcoin than um, the ones we do hear about in -hmm. terms of people associating Bitcoin with nefarious activities and, you know, crime. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think it's had Bitcoin has had that attached to it for a long time as well, right? I mean, the Silk, oh, Silk Road was like the first. Yeah, maybe this is an improvement over Silk Road. <laughs> but yeah. um, what's disappointing to me in this article is that it is, uh, first of all, misdiagnosing the problem here, which is the irreversibility. They keep talking about impossible to trace, mm-hmm. um, but really what they mean is impossible to reverse. And that second of all, they're they're kind of they're they're only looking at the negative right and we see this with like bitcoin mining as well like they only look at the cost side of the equation yeah they don't look at well what could the possible benefits be like what what's the upside here for savers right which Mm -hmm. they care about and so um that's what i find disappointing and i think that um ultimately it's to the detriment of their readership um but as an industry i also think that we could do a better job. For example, like Bitcoin ATMs, I've never used one, so maybe they already have this, but, you know, providing warnings of, hey, look, somebody might have told you to use this ATM Mm -hmm. for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And this is an irreversible transaction and that... Are you sure you want to send it to this address? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, maybe that'll help a certain percentage. It won't help everyone. It won't help everyone, but it does does help like a, a percentage of the population pause in the moment, right? We talk about this a lot with people spending. It's like if you can get yourself to a situation where if you're constantly spending money, right, to just take a break somehow where you save something in a cart or you say, okay, I won't purchase things for 24 hours or I'm going to give myself, you know, some sort of space between me and clicking yes, then like not everybody, right? It's not going to save everybody, but it will save some people because it'll give them enough time to assess what's going on. Absolutely. Um, And I think that it's also the case that when we talk about Bitcoin, perhaps we do the opposite, which is that we only talk about the benefits of Bitcoin and we don't warn enough about scams Mm -hmm. Um, and or we warn about the wrong scams. Right. Like the the, you know, if if we're in an audience of, uh, you know, 50 to 70 year old people the risk isn't that they are going to um you know get into defi and degen into nfts the risk is that somebody's going to tell them to hey send me your bitcoin in order to you know uh, double your money or something silly like that. Yeah, but I think it it goes back to, I mean, these scams have been around for a long time, even though like maybe Bitcoin in it is new, right? But scamming el- the elderly is something that is, I, I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like... Age old. Yeah, I, I remember when I was taking my finance law course, like kind of the, the classic case is... um a stockbroker churning an old person's account to mm-hmm. generate fees off of her and then uh, the the widow you know yep. um that it has the money and like the publisher clearinghouse things like these uh, you know sending money to people in nigeria like this stuff is 
maybe it's easier now with Bitcoin. So I feel like where AARP falls short is that they're blaming Bitcoin for this rather than saying, okay, these scams happen. They've been happening for a long, long time. Here's how you protect yourself from being involved in scams in general, not worrying so much about the fact that it's quote unquote untraceable according to them, right? Like that's not the issue here. The issue is like being able to educate the elderly population on not getting involved in these to begin with, especially if they're receiving a, a magazine like AARP. I feel like if you're immediately placing the blame on something that they don't understand, right, then they think that it's beyond their understanding and therefore they can be scammed by it rather than like putting in safeguards and helping educate the population on how to avoid these things from the beginning. Yes, agree, agree. Um, so if anyone from AARP is listening, please uh, consider uh, having us uh, write an article. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> for your, your, your audience. Um, was there anything else uh, we wanted to cover on this area? Um, I don't think so. I mean, did you have anything else you wanted on this? Um, well, no, maybe, maybe what we should be doing in, in, um, cybersecurity, they have what's called red teams. Yeah. Which are people who try to, um, you know, uh, scam company employees, but, the the they're actually in on it in the sense that like they're white hat hackers and so maybe more bitcoiners should be doing this of like uh, on your social media um send a dm to your grandma and tell her hey i've doubled my money click here to invest and it's like a link to swan and (laughs) (laughs) uh and then if your grandma like does it then tell her Hey, Grandma, you shouldn't have done that. Here's why this was a scam. Yeah, and uh, kind of debrief her on uh, your, uh, your your prowess at scamming her. But also, she now owns some Bitcoin. Right, so right. She's been like scammed, but she hasn't really been scammed. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It's it's just a win win. <laughs> <laughs> now maybe it'll ruin the next family reunion. And yeah, you'll be seen as a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but everyone in your family will now own Bitcoin like you wanted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, or perhaps what we should be doing is creating lots of uh, uh, Bitcoin Casanova accounts. Ah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, mm, you know. Very uh, handsome men yeah. wooing older ladies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then having them buy $70,000 worth of Bitcoin and putting it on a hardware wallet with Unchained. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put it in cold storage. <laughs> Multi-sig. Yeah. Um, and securing their retirement that yeah, way, yeah, right? Instead yeah. of uh, trying to convince them about and then inflation. vanishing, <laughs> and then vanishing. <laughs> well, you know, you can or you, sticking around. You know, you could stick around as 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 a as a pen pal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell the story of the circus? Yeah. So uh, we were in France, and um, we were we started seeing all these advertisements for the circus, and. I have very fond memories of going to the circus with my my grandfather and you know my my parents as a child, um, and um, I figured you know I've got to pay it forward. I've got to take my son to the circus so that he can experience the circus. <laughs> and um, you know, there's there's animal rights activists who are constantly debating whether the circus is good or bad. But the bottom line is that. Um, yeah, I have fond memories of it, and so I don't. I don't remember it as being uh, exploitative or uh, you know sad or anything like that. Though you know, I understand other people see it that way. 
Um, but anyway, um, we try to go to the circus and we go up there and they're like, uh, we're cash only. And we didn't have any euros. Uh, we only <laughs> had, we only had Bitcoin. So we, they yeah, didn't accept Bitcoin. I, I searched for a Bitcoin ATM. <laughs> there was no Bitcoin ATM around. Um, you could have gotten scammed by the Bitcoin ATM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If only one existed. Uh, if only. Um, and so then I, uh, you know, go to my parents and I scam them out of their euros. And say, <laughs> Can you give me some some uh, euros? And so then we go back to the circus and uh, they accept our cash. and um, An irreversible, untraceable y- transaction. Yes, exactly. And then we go into the tent and I'm scratching my head wondering, okay, do I have these early childhood memories of the circus being this giant thing um, because I was small and, you know, like, uh, was like looking up at the grandstands and thinking, wow, this is huge? Or have things changed? Uh, because under the tent, it was not hundreds of people, which is what I remembered. It was maybe two dozen. Okay. Maybe. It was like <laughs> maybe 18 people. <laughs> and uh you know uh, audience in the audience mm-hmm. and a much smaller ring and i sit down with our son and the first act is like a horse going around in a circle and i think right, you know warm up act it's fine it'll get better <laughs> and then there's a pony that goes around in a circle all right they're still warming up and then it's a guy who's um on a balance board and uh, my son is fascinated by the, the the balancing act, and I'm like, all right, you know, as long as he's into it, that's fine. Even if I'm not <laughs> super impressed, uh, and then the guy balances on a bowling ball, and then I start getting impressed. I'm like, all right, I, this is something I that's could not good, do. Yeah. yeah, and then he stacks them four high, and like he's balancing, like you know, it's, it's blowing my mind. And and my son is fascinated by our son, is fascinated by it as well. <laughs> my husband's son. Yeah, um, and. Then, um, then there's a guy who's <laughs> swinging fireballs around. <laughs> Alex like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fireballs are, you know, like I, I think young yeah. kids, young boys love yeah. fire. Yeah. There's an element of danger involved, mm-hmm. and you know, he probably wishes he could do that, but he's not allowed to play with fire. Um, and um, then they're like, okay, for our next act, we ask our audience. To stay in your seats, no sudden movements. And I'm like, all right, now it's going to get good. Now we're going to get, you know, some <laughs> wild animals. And uh, three little cats come out. And so clearly they were kind of joking at our expense. Yeah. <laughs> with <regards to> the <laughs> danger involved. And these cats are, uh, you know, jumping through hoops. And Meow. Yeah. I was like, okay, now I understand why it was cash only, because I would ask for a refund at this point. <laughs> Call the credit card company. Yeah. Um, and and then they had, uh, you know, a lady who was uh, dancing on a ring that was up in the air. And my son turns to me and he goes, why is she dancing in the air? Like, this is, he was completely uninterested in it. You know, he wanted the cats back. Yeah, the cats were more interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he wanted to leave. Uh, which is, yeah. I thought he wanted to leave because they started popping balloons. Well, yeah. So I mean, who doesn't a... want to leave when they're pop- when you're popping balloons? Yeah, the the clown act of popping balloons. Yeah. It was too loud for him. <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted to get going. Um, Anyways, you uh, 
it was a scam, but it was a cash only scam. Yeah, so. and it's not them that's scamming because yeah, it's the government. It's the government. Uh, there are uh, the animal rights people lobbied against there being, uh, you know, lions and tigers at uh, these uh, circuses. And I was thinking to myself, like, I don't see the ethical difference between a cat and a tiger or a lion and maybe somebody in the audience will dm me of like here's the ethical difference but um what it came down to me was that the people who wrote those laws are probably single cat women who don't have any problems with domesticated cats Mm -hmm. um but you know the lion in their minds is you know obviously being exploited and so uh, that's how they wrote the law yeah for sure yeah well, but. that was this week's exquisite insight. So thanks for listening all the way to the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Bitcoin fixes this. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, eventually circuses will go back to their golden years of actually having wild animals uh, after we repeal this fiat legislation. All right. Well, on that note, we appreciate you listening to this week's uh, Bitcoin for advisors. We hope you enjoyed it. I think it was a little lighter content, less... Uh, less technical this week than usual yeah you just reminded me this is a podcast for advisors <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about cats well you know yeah. I, th- I think that um with regards to to the scams that we talked about for the past hour that um it's really important for advisors to inform their clients about it even if their clients have no interest in bitcoin right so like if you are advising um, uh, uh, an elderly population or a population that will be elderly, which, you know, is everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they've told you that, Hey, you know, I don't have the risk tolerance to hold Bitcoin and I'm not interested in Bitcoin. Um, they, they should still have an awareness that Bitcoin transactions are irreversible and that there are crooks out there who take advantage of that property. Yeah, for sure. I think also like from the advisor perspective, it's really important to have, um, really written consent on file from your clients about certain transactions while they're in sound mind. It's the be- the best thing to do is like when a client is you know, 65 or below um, to basically to get a written report from them of like, okay, if um, anybody other than these three trusted people or two trusted people in my family start asking for, um, for me to move money or to do certain things, then it's a tip off to you that I'm not of sound mind, right? Um, and that's like something that we talk about in the populations of like elder abuse and other things that caregivers get involved, or even other family members get involved when they see a cognitive decline happening in the family. And so you as the advisor can you could separate yourself between or separate the client from these very easily, especially if you're like helping like the client with moving money around and doing all the other things that they need to do, you can actually be the first line of defense on, let's say, something like this widow who had the $70,000 taken away from her with the Casanova, right? If she had had a financial planner and the financial planner actually had to help her move that seventy k, I I doubt that would have happened. Yeah, that's right. Um, you And it just speaks to how important that trust relationship between the financial advisor and uh, the client is because if... If the client doesn't feel comfortable asking about um, an investment, right, where it's like, oh, my nephew recommended this investment, and I think my financial advisor will say no to it because they have conflicts of interest, Mm -hmm. then I'm not going to bring it up with my financial advisor. And maybe they're right. Maybe their financial advisor in the past has, you know, pushed them towards products that... 
benefited the advisor rather than, you know, being uh, exactly right for the client. And so um, I think that it's it speaks to the importance of um, you the know, only fiduciaries. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, we hope to have other um, interesting and exciting topics coming up in the future. If you want a topic on this podcast, feel free to DM one of us. I'm at Morgan with an E Rochard. And Pierre actually has a new Twitter handle. Yep. New Twitter handle draft at Bitcoin Pierre. Yeah. So that's not he's not an impersonator. He is the real Pierre at Bitcoin Pierre. So feel free to follow him there if you lost touch with him in some way or shape or form. And um, yeah, we hope to get these out monthly still, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Thanks. See you next month.